Thank you for tuning in to our podcast recorded live each week. Now sit back and enjoy the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoor Show. Tighten your life vests, wrap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony here Sanders and Rob Pratula. Good morning and welcome to Tony Sanders Outdoors on this cool, rainy fall morning. Absolutely gorgeous outside. A little rain moving in today. Some rain scheduled for today. So if you're heading outdoors to the woods or water, please bring your raincoat and make sure you got a good seal on any uh, blinds you got out there. So it's going to be a little wet and rainy, but uh, the deer are moving, the fish are biting, and it's a great time to be in the woods and in the water in the fall. Unfortunately, I'm not fishing, but the namesake of this show is fishing, and he is fishing down in New Orleans, Louisiana. He is fishing for redfish down there. He may be calling in and giving us a uh, fishing report from South Louisiana. But joining me today are two very good friends of mine. First, on my right, I have Carter Beaverman. Param, how are you, sir? Thank you. Thank you very much. Carter's come into the house to kind of take in my duties as color analyst and uh, just the general color guy and add a lot to the conversation well thank you for be- allowing me to be here rob you're very very welcome and to my left i've got my good friend chris green how are you sir how how yeah <laughs> thank you man a few words but we're gonna be talking a, f- a lot today about uh we got a lot of things to talk about uh firstly whoo i was busy this week i don't know about y'all i was busy 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 uh we did the last saturday we did the Forgotten Child Fund uh, fishing tournament down at Chester Frost, and fun was had. Fish were caught. And thanks to the help of all the anglers, both the bass guys and the crappie guys, five huge boxes were filled overflowing, overflowing with toys. Uh, the estimated value of those toys was $3,000. The total money raised through donations, sponsors, and several of the anglers, who I'm going to name here shortly, uh, gave back their winnings from the tournament. So they raised over $8,500 in addition to the toys valued at $3,000. Uh, Ryan Godsey and Barry Broom won, were in the money for, I believe, crappie, and they gave their winnings back. Hank Buffington and Hank Weathers also gave their winnings back, and Brian Howard and Mike Johnson also did the same. Uh, it was very nice to see these anglers win and place in the money, and uh, they decided to give it back to the Forgotten Child Crappie Fund. Well, that, that's a great, great thing that y'all do. I uh, went up there with my my oh, daughter. Yeah, you, yeah, you're. That's a great story. Tell tell what you're what you encourage your daughter to do. This well, was great. It was my grand my granddaughter's uh, birthday seven years old and of course you have to celebrate for an entire week um if you're a young lady and uh an adult woman too will celebrate for a week true this true and um so we went out uh with my daughter and her friend who are are college age and we went to uh pick out some presents for the uh for my granddaughter and then i said it'll help me pick out some presents for some girls and some boys and uh 
So she just marched us right through the target, and we we found some stuff and and brought it out there. And um, then she absolutely refused to get her photo taken in front of the the sign. But uh, we, uh, we we had an interesting discussion about how it was important to uh, in, enjoy your own time and you know celebrate your birthday, but to also think of other people and help them out some. That's a great lesson. That's that's really great. And and teaching a child that at an early age really encourages them. I think that was absolutely wonderful. But uh, it was a great tournament. Uh, what was the um, what was the big fish? Was there uh, they, they were fishing both bass and crappie, correct? Right, and correct. What was uh, what was big fish on the bass? Big bass was right around three and a half, four somewhere in there, and the crappie. There were a lot of limits, but there were also a lot of uh, fives uh, instead of sixes. They were having to go real deep, uh, eighteen feet of water. But you've got to also remember, last Saturday that front was blowing in, the wind was blowing hard. There was some white caps out on the water. It was a tough, tough fishing tournament for these guys. So, uh, hang on, just a second. Let's go ahead and take a phone call. Good morning, David. How are you this morning? Good morning, Rob. I know you've had a busy week. I was in, I was part of it. <laughs> hey, David Wright. How are you, sir? How's everything this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good, good, good. Welcome aboard to your two guests there. Uh, just wanted to once again say what a how thankful I am to be part of that deal last week. Uh, it's just absolutely awesome. And, you know, this I don't know, there's just not a lot you can say about it except it's just a, it's a humbling experience to get to be around them guys. What David's talking about is uh, the following Monday and Tuesday, uh, we guided the Wounded Warriors out at Enterprise South, and I've got a whole bunch of stories on that. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about that, but we'll head on to it. Uh, you guided and uh, made a new friend. Oh, yes, yes. We've been in touch all week, actually. Swapped a few pictures back and forth that we had taken. And awesome. He's practicing. He's doing a little more range time with his bow as as needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had, a little, he, he had a few problems there, didn't he? Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. But it was a great time. I think uh, I think all the guys were, you know, real thankful that the it was put on and they had an opportunity to be there and everything. And I know I was. And I'm glad my wife got to be there Sunday for the cookout so she could experience a little of it. She really wanted to help Monday and Tuesday, any, but we're doing a, a silly remodel there at the house, you know, and she had to be there to keep an eye on things. Well, now, David, how that goes. David I have to give you props. Uh, they were giving out a lot of... Uh, items from people who had donated stuff uh, to the Wounded Warriors hunt on Sunday night at the picnic. And you personally came up with $30 gift cards to Sportsman's Warehouse for every warrior there. And I thought that donation from you was just absolutely wonderful and so very nice to do that. Yeah, I just got a few friends and family members together and said, hey, let's pitch in a little bit here and Get these guys a little something extra here. I know they got a they get a pretty good goodie bag and some door prizes and things. But you know that Sportsman's Warehouse is such a good sponsor. And I thought, well, it's nothing better than to let them spend their money there. Even the out of town guys can use them online, and you know just kind of give back a little bit to Sportsman's there and let them guys pick up a few things and that they might need for that hunt. And you know it's just a just a little, little something extra. wasn't a, wasn't a big deal, but it you know helped out a little bit. Anything we can do to help them out some. Well, I hope you had fun out there. I know I did. Um, I know I ate way too much at lunch one day and was my head was bobbing in the blind <laughs> later that afternoon. I can tell you that. 
I heard that. Well, listen, Rob, I'll let you get to it. I know you got some interviews you want to share with some of the guys and everything, and just keep in mind, never take a tomahawk to a gunfight. You got it, my friend. <laughs> All right, take care, buddy. See you, bud. Bye-bye. Bye. That was uh, David Wright. He helped uh, guide out at the Enterprise South Wounded Warrior uh, Hunt, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a few minutes. But uh, back to the crappie uh, tournament real quick. This is probably one of the few times we're going to get to talk fishing this morning since it is hunting season, and I got two pretty good hunters in the studio with me today. Uh, I was really impressed to see the anglers give back their winnings. I mean, granted, you know, there was some $500, you know, tournament wins, so it was it was real nice to see those guys donate that back. And, and again, it goes all goes for a great cause. We were informed that if you want to be a part of the Santa train that goes out and gives out all these toys, and if you want to see the joy that this brings, December 24th, Christmas Eve, they're going to meet at Chattanooga State on Amnicola Highway, and I want to say the time is, it is leaving. It is going. It is, it is rolling out at, I believe, 5 p.m. I believe it was 5 p.m. is what I've told. If I'm wrong, somebody call in 267-1023 and correct me on that. But I believe it's 5 p.m. They're rolling, so get there early. But if you want to go out and see the joy that these donations bring to the kids of Chattanooga who probably wouldn't have a Christmas without it, it'd be a great thing. So well, That's a great thing y'all did, and thank you for sponsoring that. Oh, no problem. That was Tony and I loved uh, being the MCs. We had a good time being MCs. I told really bad fishing jokes and <laughs> had a uh. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And uh, we had a great time out there, and it was great to see uh, Jim Edmeister's uh, tournament out there, and especially all the crappie guys uh, who we who we get to see maybe twice a year, uh, because, well, to be honest, we don't run in the same circles. So, just curious, the rules of this tournament was the crappie uh, all artificial, or could you use live bait on that one? You could use live bait on that one, and uh, we had some problems. We noticed some problems. Uh, from the get go, we were interviewing the people when they came up on stage, and we were, you know, saying, "Where'd you catch them?" Over there. In the mouth, right here. On the end of my line. Yeah. yeah. What were you using? Uh, Menace. What were you using? Uh, special worm. What were you using? A bait. You know, I mean, we weren't getting anything. These guys are real tight-lipped about what, the, where and what they were fishing. And we were, what, did you catch them shallow or deep? Both. All right, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, give me something. What do you interview a bunch of duck hunters, Rob? Oh, no. They're, Yeah. <laughs> See, Tony had a great idea when this show started. You know, people call in, talk about it, you know, say, you know, hey, you know, hey, I was in the woods. You know, you don't have to tell us where, but at least give us some detail. I mean, you know, I caught a limited fish. Great. Where'd you catch them? Chickamauga. Okay. We got a, a general location. But a lot of these people are like, you know, hey, I caught a limited bass. Where at? Northern Hemisphere. Okay. We need a little bit more specific than that. Just a, just a touch. Just a touch. Um... Let's see what else is going on here. Uh, real quick. Uh, oh, went to the uh, Ducks Unlimited Fall Flight uh, Thursday night, and that was a great event. Saw a lot of people out there. It was a really wonderful event and helped raise a lot of money for Ducks Unlimited. There were some wonderful raffle items out there and a whole bunch of vendors, and it was at a new venue this year. It was out at uh, Camp Jordan. Great venue. Oh, the food was really, really good. Uh, it was by... Stir. Stir, thank you. And uh, I was drawing a blank there for a second. I was like, spoon. Shovel. Stir. Shovels, yeah. Implement. Pitchfork. Implement of destruction. Um, 
but yeah, the food was really great. Uh, real big time having uh, a lot of people. A lot of people out there. Good lord, there were a lot of people, and just a great venue. And I hope that uh, continues uh, out at that particular location because they had trucks in there. They had uh, trailers. They had uh, decoy spreads set out. It was a lot of fun out there. I, did you make it? No, you didn't make it out there, did you? I was unable to attend. You were unable this to attend. Year. Okay. Did any ducks drop into those spreads while y'all were there? No, but uh, 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 there was a lot of calling going on. I will say that. Um, yeah, I would be surpri- wouldn't be surprised if a few ducks decided to try and land. So, did y'all have catfish for supper? No, we didn't. It was chicken and uh, some sort of prime rib beefy stuff. So it was really really good, and there was some sort of mixed vegetable thing that was really good, and the potatoes were. Uh, mashed potatoes with Parmesan cheese. Oh, my God. And we're on to food at 512 in the morning. Someone didn't have breakfast. No, none of us had breakfast. So we're going to take a break. And it is Disco Saturday all day long on Tony Sanders Outdoors. We will be right back. Spring will soon be here, and you know what that means, grilling and barbecues. You can get everything you need at Don's Meat Shop, 648 Dixon Pike. Don has steaks such as T-bone, porterhouse, ribeyes, and many, many more. You can pick up kebabs, chicken, burgers, pork chops, roasts, or fish, and try out their seafood. Be sure to try their summer sausage snack sticks. Don has quality meats and great cooking advice, so give them a call at 423-842-1256. Don's is open six days a week, closed Tuesdays. Check them out at donsmeatshop.com, and be sure to like them on Facebook. Sportsman's Warehouse is the perfect place to shop for all your outdoor equipment. No matter the season, Sportsman's Warehouse friendly staff and knowledgeable experts can assist you in finding what you need for your adventure. If you're a hunter, angler, boater, hiker, camper, or need clothing or shoes, Sportsman's Warehouse has just what you need. If you're looking for a firearm, Sportsman's Warehouse has over a 1,000 guns in the store. Now, if you don't see one you want, you can go to sportsmanswarehouse.com and select from over 6,700 guns offered online. Then you can have it shipped directly to the store, everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Don't forget to sign up and register for the Sportsman's Warehouse loyalty card. This will give you points towards gift cards and special promotions, as well as keeping you informed of upcoming events. Be sure to like them on Facebook for prizes, promotions, as well as things happening at the store. The place to shop for all your outdoor needs. Sportsman's Warehouse. The great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Tony Sanders Outdoors. Get a little disco going. Get my disco on this morning. I'm digging this. Uh, excuse me, Rob. Yes, sir. Um, do you remember those t-shirts that uh, they used to have back in the 70s? Those disco sucks? Or death before disco? Yeah, it still sucks. No. I remember when I used to hang out at uh, Studio 54 with Andy Warhol and all my friends. So Nice. Yeah. I can just see you in a purple leisure suit. With the collars splayed out about 14 inches across. Yep. With, with the shoes with the goldfish in the hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about the Wounded Warrior Hunt. Had a great time out there, and I have to give a shout-out right now. We need to do uh, – we're going to do the Harvest Report, but we have a special Harvest Report just for Enterprise South. And uh, I know there is a ranger out there by the name of Ranger Dodd. He always listens every Saturday and loves to hear the – uh, Harvest Report, well, the Harvest Report for Enterprise South, taken by the Wounded Warriors, was 16 deer total, 8 antlered and 8 antlerless. Uh, statewide, our totals are, for this week, 8,525. Your counties are, Hamilton took 201, Bledsoe has 58 taken, Bradley, 79, Grundy, 55, Marion, 160, McMinn, 126, Megs, 107, Monroe, 78, Polk, 11, Ray, 112, Sequatchie, 43. Your top five counties are Montgomery, Sullivan, Sumner. Coming in at number four is Hamilton County. Woo, woo, woo. That's us. And Hawkins bringing up number five. So it was a good week for Hamilton County deer hunters. Uh, and again, there were a total of 16 deer taken out at Enterprise South by the Wounded Warriors. The Wounded Warrior uh, picnic on Sunday night was absolutely wonderful. I met my uh, Wounded Warrior, who I would be guiding. Uh, lots of uh, local guys that you know helped guide. Uh, Mike, Senator Bell was one of the guides. Uh, his son, Nathan, was one of the guides. Uh, Richard Sims guided. Uh, there were a whole bunch of other people that guided. Those are just some off the top of my head. David Wright guided. Uh, Commissioner Sanders made an appearance at lunch, came down and said hello to everybody. Um, but I met my uh, uh, wounded warrior, and basically he uh, was from uh, Clarksville area and was already a big hunter. So he was really excited about getting into the woods. Uh, Nicholas was just a really nice guy. How many hunters did y'all take total? We had 22 22 or 20, 22. I believe and it was 22. Now, these, uh, they put in for a draw through the state? No, it's actually, it's an actually a wounded warrior program, and they get special permission to hunt this area. It's a, it's a sanctioned kind of a deprivation hunt for this area. Because they, they no longer have the draw hunt at uh, the VAP plant, as no. the locals call it. No, and I did not. It was, we, we hunted both sides. We hunted the park side, and we hunted the acid plant side. Um, there was a lot of uh, a camaraderie going around, um, and that's what I really enjoyed being a part of. Just, you know, just like we're having on the air this morning, we're joking off the air, and you know, we all joke around when we hunt or fish together. But there was a lot of a lot of really good camaraderie, and um, there were a few miscues. Uh, one of them, <laughs> which is a rather humorous story, my uh, wounded warrior got drawn for the blind. Uh, Tuesday morning we were in 12 and there was this big big body 8 point walks out about 60 60 yards he's got a scoped shotgun puts a scope in fires says I think it's down he shoots again he fires we walk out there no blood no hair no nothing no deer we could not figure out what happened. I said, he said, I don't know how I missed. I had him. I said, well, you know, not a big deal. Let's get back in the blind. Well, about an hour later, 
Big Doe walks out, 40 yards. He shoots, and it goes right over the top of her. She runs. He takes a second shot. Missed. Takes a third shot. Missed. And he said, I hunt. I know what I'm doing. I said, I, I, I trust you. I, I, know what you're talk- I, know, I know you know what you're doing. He says, I don't know what's going on. Well, he starts to case his gun, and there's oil leaking out of the scope. Now, I don't know a lot about scopes, but I know a scope should not be leaking oil. That's never a good sign. No. 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 And I don't mean just like a, a, a sheen of oil, but I'm not talking like it's dripping, but it was close to being a constant drip out. I don't. If anybody knows anything about scopes leaking, give us a call, 267 When scopes fail, they fail catastrophically. Yeah, the crosshairs break and such. Yeah, and I think his scope had been misaligned at that point because there was either a, a, either the pressure was being held in there by a seal that, that broke, yeah. and that skewed the optics and the reticle inside, but he missed, so he had a backup gun. So we go out Tuesday evening and use the backup gun so we're coming out of the woods with his scoped gun we came out a little bit early because we didn't want to take any other shots because we didn't trust trust the weapon we're coming out and we're down at the acid plant side he's got his shotgun over his shoulder i've got a nine millimeter on my hip and up pulls a chattanooga police officer into the acid plant and i thought well he's coming to see you know what's going on and you know say hi to us he gets out and says we got a report of shots fired. I'm thinking, uh-oh. He says, do y'all know anything about it? We're both standing there, head-to-toe camo, orange vests, orange hats. I said, uh, afternoon, officer, how are you? Uh, yeah, there's a uh, hunt going on out here today for uh, wounded warriors. Y'all hunting squirrels? Uh, no, sir, we're not. We're hunting deer. I said, it's a deprivation hunt with a TWRA. About that time, a TWRA truck pulls through, and I was going to get them to talk to the police officer and explain what was going on. They kept driving. So now I am talking to the police officer. And one of the first thoughts I had, tell you how honest I am, one of the first thoughts I had is, he's going to think I'm poaching out here with a pistol. And then then I stopped and I thought, what does Chattanooga cop know about game laws? He doesn't know know the game laws. So anyway, uh, we explained what was going on. I gave him my card. I said, look, if you have any questions or... And he, was this before or after he put your face in the dirt and no, had you handcuffed with a knee in your back? No, he kept a, he kept a, he kept an eye on us for a second until he found out that you know we were. Well, he's got a lot more self control than I would have. Yeah, well, he he kept his self control real good, and you know he found out we're we're real good guys. He was that he had actually served in Afghanistan later uh, after my wounded warrior, and so they chit chatted and talked it up for a few minutes, and. Uh, he said, yeah, well, if we get any more reports, we'll disregard them. I said, yeah, you're probably going to get some more from this time period to this time period and gave them the hunting hours for the evening. But it was nice to uh, see them out there. And, uh, oh, my gosh, the help from the TWRA. There were wildlife managers out there. There were wildlife officers out there. Uh, there had to be probably 15 to 20 people from the TWRA out there. Ben Layton, uh, the biologist out there, he was nice enough to give me the deer totals. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time to spend in the woods with somebody who's given so much for our freedoms and given so much of themselves to make our lives better. But they got their deer taken care of. They shot the deer. Basically, TWA picked it up, skinned it, sent it off to processing. They didn't do anything. So, And they were fed really well. 
Uh, they got um, we had deer tenderloins uh, Tuesday with a whole bunch of other great sides, and then we had deer tacos on Tuesday. Uh, we and boy did we have the food. Boy did we have, and it surprisingly almost all of it went away. So very good, very good. That's a great. Great thing that y'all do uh, to help those people who have, like you said, have given so much. What was the smallest doe y'all harvested? Uh, there was one that was about forty pounds that was taken out. Um, My kind of deer right there. That's, <laughs> you like taking the small ones, don't you? Well, Chris likes to pick uh, them up, put them in his pocket, so it's I like easier how to walk hooves together and sling them over my shoulder like a person who came out of the woods. No, that makes it easy, but. Uh, there were uh, the deer were a little bit on the small size, um, and I did notice, and we'll kind of get into this here. Um, they Monday, it was excessively worn. Oh my gosh, it was excessively worn. Now, I got to tell you, we're in the blind. How are them skaters out there? Oh my gosh, I thought a couple of them were hun- hummingbirds at one point. They were so big. We had thermocell going, didn't work. We had on off, didn't work. I had on the Sawyer. Uh, Pectorin, I believe it is. It didn't work. It nothing worked. We were getting eaten up. Um, my hunter came out of the woods, and it looked like his neck. He had been like allergy tested, where they hit you about eighty-seven <laughs> times. I mean, there's just welts all over his neck. I they were biting my hands. Oh, it was terrible. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about the mosquitoes. And I got a question for y'all when we come back. Um, I noticed with the temperature changes, the deer started moving a lot more, a lot more. I want to talk about that, uh, and you can talk to us about it at 267-1023. You're listening to Tony Sanders. We will be right back. Babies Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Babies has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Babies has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. Make your neighbors really jealous. Call Babies. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping crew, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend, Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Having Disco Saturday here. Hopefully that'll wake you up and encourage you to get out in the woods and the water. Uh, it certainly will offer those of us who may be experiencing problem problematic bowel syndrome. It may help you to evacuate could much be. more quickly. Could be, could be. Uh, I noticed Monday it was really warm, mosquitoes everywhere, and some deer were taken, but there were a lot more deer taken on Tuesday when the overnight temperatures dropped, the wind picked up, and the front was working its way through. I noticed a lot more deer moving. Now, I know barometric pressures and fronts can affect fishing in a lot of ways, but I would assume that they would also affect um, hunting because animals feel pressure just like we do. And let me ask Chris here real quick, what do you think about, I mean, do, have you seen that in your all your hunting? Yes. Yes, I think the barometer has a lot to do with, with the uh, deer movement. Okay. What about, um, do you believe a lot of these forecasts that, you know, you see, you know, the, your f- best hunting time is from here to here, and it's based on, I don't know what it's based on. I uh, believe that face. that thing exists because I've done all-day sits and ground blinds and tree stands before, and you'll see nothing for hours on end. Then maybe the middle of the day, the deer will be on their feet, the turkeys will be walking, birds chirping, squirrels bouncing, and then hour and a half later, it's back to a ghost town again. So and it's it varies different times. What well, and the, um, the, the cold, the cold air you know, makes them do, makes them move around a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're covered up in a fur coat and it's hot, you're probably not going to want to get out and run around and frolic. But, uh, when it cools down a little bit, especially later in the season, when it gets colder, one of the biggest things that has occurred in the last couple of weeks is the acorn drop. We have a very heavy mass yes. crop this year. Yes. And, um, they're really keying on those. They'll, they'll walk right past a pile of corn just to go hoover up a bunch of acorns um around the woods and the um of course when the wind blows mm-hmm. the nuts start falling yeah so true, true um it makes it easier and um the uh, uh the weather plays you know the biggest role i think when it does get colder and um they can bed down for a while but when it gets cold i mean they got to get up and move around and and get something to eat or just generate some body heat um to, to keep them going so well we noticed there were we you're, you're right we we heard a lot of acorns falling uh tuesday we saw a lot of rain falling and uh the particular blind we were in was leaking like a sieve it was like sitting under a colander um so it was it was kind of interesting tuesday evening uh, monday night when we came out of the woods uh last monday I didn't know there was supposed to be rain in the forecast for Monday. I looked at the weather early in the morning, and it had no mention of rain. We're walking out Monday night, and I said, I think I feel a sprinkle. And we had about uh, probably about 500 yards, 600 yards to get out of the woods. By the time we got to the road for the pickup on the shuttle, the bottom of heaven itself dropped out, and it was just pouring rain, pouring rain. But by... About eight thirty, it had stopped. But we were we were out right in the middle of this just monsoon that blew through on Monday night, and then Tuesday we had that steady rain all day. And I I was curious, not being in you know being a 
I'd say a neophyte or a newbie to deer hunting. Chris, what do you think about do you, do you see deer move in the rain? I mean, I've seen, I, I saw some do it, but I would I I don't know if it was our location. I know they move in the rain because you know they're animals and you know they're in the rain. But do you see more or less movement in the rain? I think if it's a lighter to a drizzle, you'll see more movement. I think they enjoy that. But if it's a deluge where they can't smell, see, or hear, then I believe they're a lot more nervous and a lot more apt to just lock down in a thicket during those couple of days of monsoon. Okay, let me ask you another question. Do you hunt any areas with kudzu? No. Okay. I, we saw a lot of deer in the kudzu. I mean, a lot of deer. And it is edible. It, it is a legume. It's just a giant pea. I did not know that. It is. I did not know it was a legume. Kudzu is a legume. A matter of fact, I know a guy who, uh really, really neat fellow from the back of the mountain, who used to plant kudzu in the areas on the back of Lookout Mountain, Durham, uh, where there were a bunch of coal mines that um, the, where the tailings had been pushed out and nothing could grow on them. They would plant kudzu. He and his dad grew kudzu in a greenhouse and planted it for folks to control erosion and uh, the cattle would graze it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, uh, it is a legume. It produces a, a seed. Um, after the, the the flower is actually quite pretty and smells like Smucker's grape jelly. And, See, this uh, is the educational purple. portion of the show that I really enjoy. So go it's ahead. A, it's a purple flower. Now it's, we're well beyond the flowering season, but they're it's producing uh, it's produced its seed pods at this point, and um, it's quite an amazing uh, plant actually. Hmm. And the tubers you can take, and they have as much nutritional value as a sweet potato. And they taste a lot like chestnuts. Now, the great big old gnarly ones that you dig up, you don't want those. But the one, you know, about the size of a, a good carrot, slice it thinly and put it in a pan, um, saute it with a little butter. It's like crunchy like a water chestnut. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite quite tasty and good for you, too. I did not know that. Neither did I. I knew it was edible. Somebody bring us something to eat because well, yeah, we're already on the really yeah, we're already on the food this early. Yeah, at food <laughs> and, and and when you talk about eating kudzu this early, yeah, you know, you know something's hungry. wrong. Yeah, um, there's a lot of kudzu out at Enterprise South, and we saw a deer, a lot of deer moving through it, and I'm assuming the deer eat it as well. I'm assuming it's its food source as well as the acorns and and the other items that they're eating, but. We saw a lot of deer, and the only problem, we had a uh, gentleman out there whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. He had a long-haired dachshund, um, and it had a little uh, little vest thing on it. A hippie wiener? Uh, it, it was a hippie wiener, hippie wiener dog, and they used that dog to track deer, and that dog tracked two deer out at Enterprise South, and that dog was a deer tracking machine. That they had this old radio collar on him, and they had like GPS on the dog, and they turned the dog. I mean, he'd go under things. You know, he was cutting through kudzu, and you know, everybody's having to go around like five miles around the dog, and they're just barking. It was amazing to watch this little dog, and oh boy, his tail was just going ninety to nothing when he found that deer. That tail was just wagging, and it was wild to see. But could he pick it up and bring it back to you? Uh. No. With the attitude, probably. Yeah. Physically, not not so much. But uh, were these difficult trails? Y'all were having a hard time sporing up, or sometimes. Uh, it 
it, depending on where you are out there, uh, it, the kudzu can get so thick, and and in some places you've got a lot of thick undergrowth that it. it in my opinion, there needs to be a controlled burn in some places because there's a lot of undergrowth that may or should be removed. Um, other areas, it's, you know, standing hardwoods with, you know, wide open areas that are, it, it just depends on where you are. And there's a lot, there's a couple of uh, fences that fence off certain areas. Um, deer will hop those fences real easy. Uh, we had, uh, Monday night, we had a, a we heard a, a deer blowing. I mean, we could hear it just clear as day, and we knew it was going to walk across the road to us. It kept blowing and kept blowing. Never did walk across the road. Well, we got down to the road and found there was a nine-foot chain-link fence, and we're like, well, that would be why they didn't cross the road and why why we can still hear them blowing on the other side. But uh, She was probably blowing because she could smell you. Could have been. Could have been. They're bad about that. Yeah, it could have been. but yeah, there were there there are some trails out there. There's you know there's some open areas, but there's a lot of area that was rather overgrown. You know, it it is a big toxic waste dump. The army oh, yeah. left lots and lots of uh, toxic debris behind. Yeah. After uh, what eighty years of uh, production of munitions, munitions, and uh, the kudzu is a blessing uh, for encasing all that, covering it up, and uh, hopefully never to see the light of day again well now the park side was a lot more open um as far as the terrain and the brush but uh they ended up tracking one deer i was thinking it was close to three quarters to a mile i mean it was they ended up having one that uh was a bad hit uh it eventually went down but the they used the dog found it right away it was really it was really interesting to see that dog do its do its little work so previously in georgia they had those dial a dog track of dogs if you had like your county had like a couple guys with a dog and mm-hmm. say you had a arrow hit deer or something you couldn't get on you would call a gentleman and he'd come out with the dog and blood tracking is obviously very effective oh yeah, yeah. i thought, thought it was really good we got one more break we're going to go ahead and take we're going to come back at the top of the hour we'll Go over our outdoor calendar, and we'll be wrapping up the first hour. Appreciate you joining us. Grab a cup of coffee and continue to listen to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community, Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, remote broadcast, or product endorsements, Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423-280-3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423-280-3677. If you need any outdoor supplies, there's only one place to go, Sportsman's Warehouse. They have all the equipment you need, as well as a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. If you want a firearm, then check out the thousands of guns they have on the shelf. If you don't see one you want, go to sportsmanswarehouse.com. Choose from over 6,700 models they have, and they will ship it directly to the store. Everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Sportsman's Warehouse, the great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. 
I remember roller skating to this. Roller Boogie Rob, I can just see you now, man. Yeah, buddy. Did you have purple pom-poms on the toes of your roller skates? I did not. I did not. I do remember that, though. Uh, yeah, we're going down memory lane this morning. Rather, rather rapid, we're going down memory lane. Coming up uh, on November 2nd, that would be November 2nd, the Trout Unlimited Appalachian Chapter, which is your local chapter, is putting on the Fly Fishing Film Tour on Friday, November 2nd at the Camp House downtown. The address is 149 East Martin Luther King Boulevard here in Chattanooga. There are VIP seats available. The show will start at 7 p.m. VIPs get in at 6.30. VIP tickets are 50 bucks, which includes early seating and some other great goodies. General admission tickets are $20. Tickets are available at flyfishingfilmtour.com, flyfishingfilmtour.com at the door uh, day of the show, or you can get them locally at uh, Lookout Fly Anglers, which hopefully will be opening up here very shortly. Uh, If you've never seen any of these Fly Fishing Film Tour films, they are absolutely wonderful. High-def cameras, drones, great cinematography, a lot of original music written for it. Um, and they take you to destinations that a lot of us may never get to. Um, saw one a couple years ago. It was in Kamchatka. Uh, they were catching. That's in Russia, ain't it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's my peeps. These are uh, um, communist fish. Yeah, pretty much. They were uh, brook trout. They were a member of the brook trout species. They weren't Arctic char. They were brook trout that were approximately oh two, two and a half, three foot. I mean, just monster fish. Uh, I've seen uh, films from Mongolia. I've seen films from Canada. Uh, they had one a couple of years ago, musky fishing in Canada, and they're catching these logs of musky that that look like you know hewn lumber. That's just you know these eight you know forty. What are the flies that they use for those? Oh, the, the flies. It, it you take look, a turkey and a half a chicken and tie it on a hook and pretty much. Uh, yeah, it, they're articulated and they're about the size of a tube sock. And I'm sure they're fun to cast on a sink tip. I can tell you that. I've done that, actually. But uh, these films are really great. Again, the Fly Fishing Film Tour, it's going to be uh, November 2nd at the Camp House. Are they going to have an auction? They are going to have auction items there as well. They're also going to have some phenomenal destination films, bring you cash, credit cards for raffle items, and silent auction as well. So they will have that. Excellent. I don't know if our... Mentor Tony is listening, but um, I hope he attends so I can try mm-hmm. to buy something out from under him again, like another fly rod. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they'll have some fly rods for sale there. That that four weight you snake from him is pretty nice. It is nice. I've casted it. It is nice. Uh, November third, muzzleloader opens up statewide, so you can get out the black powder guns. Then uh, well, it was open in Georgia last weekend, what? and uh, the wagon burner and I went out to uh, the back of the mountain to uh, check it, and I. I beforehand i was like i should probably check my rifle i hadn't range fired it yet this year mm-hmm. i dropped my um ramrod down in there and get my muzzleloader is still loaded from last year well i found out something <laughs> technically if there's no cap in it it's an unloaded gun well but yes <laughs> it, there was no cap but there was a, a powder charge and a bullet and so always check yes to see if your rifle is loaded, whether it's a muzzleloader or a modern centerfire cartridge. And, of course, I, 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 after sitting in the woods and the wind blowing and the acorns and hickory nuts hitting me in the head and seeing nothing, nothing, that one squirrel, 
I did shoot it, and it shoots dead on. So good. Then I, uh, after one shot, then I spent two and a half hours yesterday cleaning it again. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like muzzle loader, but yeah, you really don't want to double load. That that could be very very bad on your health and uh, the health of those around you. Uh, gun season opens up on the seventeenth of November, and Sandhill Crane opens in the eastern southeastern Crane Zone, December first, and goes till the seventeenth. Uh, it closes for Sandhill Crane Days, and then opens up January twenty-first, and closes the twenty-seventh. So you've got some time to get your Sandhill Crane items together, but uh, muzzle loader season is coming up real quickly. So everybody, get out to the range, check your firearms, put them on the range, shoot them to ensure that they are shooting straight and true. Mm-hmm. Then clean them in preparation for the upcoming season. Um, Make sure your scope isn't leaking. Well, exactly. And <laughs> and that's one of the things that is so important each year prior to the season is to get out there and, and check your rifle um, and and be familiar with it. If it's mm-hmm. if it's a new rifle or shotgun or anything, you know, you, you need to shoot it a few times. Be aware of where how the safety works because safeties work differently on every type of firearm. Mm-hmm. Um, be uh, Develop the muscle memory needed to safely operate that firearm. And uh, make sure it shoots true. Make sure your equipment's good. And um, if you're going to put a scope on a firearm, don't waste your money on a cheap scope. Cheap scopes will fail. It's not a question of if, it is when. I was working to uh, sight in a rifle for my friend Alan. He has a, uh, and it's, it's an inexpensive bolt action, but the scope was just a cheap POS. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the turret caps fall off, or the cap falls off, and then the the actual adjusting screw pops out. It's a cheap POS. Yeah, most definitely. And I'll tell you, you need to uh, you need to be definitely familiar. You need to be if you know if you're sighting in a rifle with a new scope, hopefully a quality one that you know will work for you. Uh, you need to definitely know your equipment before you get out there, and uh, especially with like you said, that's a great that's a great point is when you check your muzzle loader make sure you don't double load that thing because that would be very very bad that would be a catastrophic fail if you pull the trigger on that uh the the hunter safety class here uh has a barrel that is literally like the uh acme barrel that the coyote used on the roadrunner that is split open because of somebody who (laughs) double loaded and i mean if you feel this piece of metal it is a it is a you know huge muzzle loader barrel and it's just split wide open like, like a banana yeah what happened to the guy's face that was standing behind it luckily nothing happened to him but uh what? they they bring this in as a was it a double load or mud in the muzzle and a shot happened what happened there? i believe it was a double load on that one so mm-hmm. i'm not sure what happened on that they've got a shotgun where they had a, a blockage in the muzzle too and they bring those in as visual aids so hopefully that'll spark some memories range safety people think range, range safety definitely getting out in the woods well, we are up to the first hour. First hour is basically in the can. We got one more hour of Tony Sanders. I appreciate y'all joining us this morning. Get a cup of coffee, get a snack, get some breakfast, and join us for hour number two. And all of our friends listening on Facebook, including Rob Jeeves of Historic Jamestown, New York. The phone number is 423-267-1023. You're listening to Tony Sanders. We will be right back.
Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join the over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. Don't stop that podcast now. That's only one half of the show. We'll be right back with the second half of Tony Sanders Outdoors. Tighten your life vest, wrap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. Welcome back to hour number two of Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. I hope you're heading to the woods or the water. Hopefully you can get out today. A little bit rainy out there, but some nice cool temperatures. So hopefully the I fish have an update on the weather report. Oh, what is it? It's raining like a cow urinating upon a flat granite surface. Oh, so it's coming down outside right now. We have an AccuWeather forecast from somebody who just stepped outside. That would be Carter Parham, who you just heard, who's joining me this morning, also along with Chris Green. They're sitting in because Tony is red fishing down in Louisiana. I am jealous about that. I am... I will be honest, I'm a little jealous. I love catching redfish, love going down to Louisiana. Love but is food. he doing it on the fly? Uh, he may be because he borrowed uh, some flies from a fly tire that he knows. So Excellent. And he has a 10 weight and uh, two new leaders. So I'm assuming uh, we had uh, Richard Sims in uh, two weeks ago. And uh, Richard had just come back from uh, redfishing in Louisiana and... I think they had their limit within an hour of the fish that they could keep, so then they just started catching, releasing everything else. Little Cullen. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, they already had these on ice and everything, and they were just catching, releasing a lot, you know, either slot, either not slot fish or, or fish, you know, baby baby redfish or, you know, even the the big bulls that were running through. So I'm sure if uh, Tony gets his limit, he, you know, might, once he gets, you know, the fish he needs, he'll probably, you know, pick up the fly rod just for, laughs and giggles and see what he can do with that i, I tell you the redfish is a, it's a such a cool fish to fish for and I, i've fished them down in florida and over in um st simon's island uh with a friend of mine david edens who is a pffer mm-hmm. that's the psycho fly fishers and um he's taking me out and and tailing fishing them in the uh flooded grass mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you see him tailing and you you have to creep up on them. I mean, yep. it is stalk and and cast, and he you cast that thing out there, and he goes, all right, now twitch it. And, of course, I went and stripped it. And then this, oh, about a 12-pound redfish just flies off. I mean, literally just burrows off 100 yards out. And he's like, I said, twitch it, Carter. Not jerk it, mm-hmm. not yank it. 
twitch it. <clears throat> There's a difference. He goes, that's the reason you're paying me the big bucks is to pull your fat butt around here and go chase these fl- these redfish. I'll tell you, the, the one experience I had with busting a fish like that was a redfish. I was in Port Aransas, Texas, uh, visiting family back there and uh, went out of Port Aransas and was walk-stalking fish in the flats. And I saw these two tails. And they were kind of working their way towards me. The wind was behind me, and I thought, I've got a good shot. And it was a long cast, I will say that. I literally dropped it right where the heads of these redfish would be. Unfortunately, those two redfish were the back of a school of about 30 redfish. So as soon as that fly line hit the water, it exploded, boiled, and I still think some of those redfish that I spooked are still swimming into the... uh, around the Cape of Good Hope and into the Pacific Ocean because I scared, I blew up that thing. And they were the last. It was just dumb luck. I saw two tails, made a cast to them, perfect cast, but there was like 25 fish in between those two that I did not see. I call that death from above. You <laughs> drop it right on their head. Yeah, I try to at least. But uh, <clears throat> hopefully Tony will get the uh, long rod out, sling a few bugs to some redfish. Hopefully he will get to do that. I hope he has a really great fishing trip. I hope the weather's uh, real good for him down there. Obviously, you're not going to throw size 20 mayflies at redfish, but is there like a couple go-to patterns for those guys? I like tan and pink clousers, and what I'll do on the clousers is on the tan, I'll I'll use uh, craft fur or even bucktail, and I'll take a Sharpie and just kind of stripe it, uh, kind of like a little shrimp pattern thing. Uh, there's a couple other small... Uh, shrimp patterns that I tie up. I'll tie up a uh, deer head on the front that makes it look real buggy and a little bit of orange and tan, and they seem to like those. At least that's the ones I use in Texas. I have not used that one in Louisiana or Florida because I know they can be squirrely on in Florida and on uh, up the uh, east coast out of South Carolina and, and uh, North Carolina and Georgia area. So. Um, David put us, he was using the little crab pattern. I guess, it, yeah. you know, you, you got to cast what's similar uh, to what the bait is that they're, you know, the natural bait that they're eating there. But it was a little crab pattern done with epoxy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it, it would it would just drop and sink real, real quick. And um, that was a uh, neat little pattern. Now, Buddy Virus, uh, Psycho Fisher, he did one one time where he took leather. Yep, and had a a, a leather. Um, it was a laser cutter that actually would cut leather, and then tie this leather crab pattern onto a hook, and it was basically impervious to thousands of bites and casts and everything else. And it it was pretty cool, pretty cool little deal. He uh, turned me on to some of those one time, and um, I probably still I've got one still stuck on the visor of my truck. Hmm. Normally what I do is the, uh, like I said, the deer hair on the front and then kind of some craft fur or stuff out the back, so we'll see what we do. Speaking of which, is is this the man himself? Good morning, Commissioner Sanders. How are you this morning, sir? <laughs> I am alive in uh, Lafitte, Louisiana. Lafitte, Louisiana. Like it's not Lafayette? <laughs> no, no, it's Lafitte. I don't, it's actually Jean Lafitte, wherever that is, but. Uh, I, I just asked the people cooking uh, breakfast for us. I said, "All right, I'm getting ready to go on the radio. Give me the correct where I'm at and <laughs> and and what city I'm in. That's all I want to know." <laughs> what are you having for breakfast? I have no idea. We had 
black and red fish for dinner last night. Oh, um, man. Oh, my mm. God. It was so good. And um, But, no, we're excited. Uh, getting ready to head out. It's awful foggy. We've got uh, money in the pot. And uh, we've got, um, let's see, we've got how many boats? We've got, we've got three boats going out and one airplane headed out. And uh, this is a huge operation. It's bourgeois fishing charters. Uh, and there are three groups down here of our size, and everybody's getting ready, kind of excited and ready to go out. We're, we're blasting off about 6.30 uh, local time, which would be 7.30 up there. And um, and I don't know exactly when the plane's leaving. There's a lot of fog down here this morning. How, but, uh, how do you cast out of an airplane, Tony? Well, you know, it's really tough. The wind, The wind really messes with the line. Uh, but they're flying out to some kind of some island somewhere. The chandeliers and uh, do what? Is it the chandelier islands to the south? That's yes. Okay. Yes, yes. That's where they're headed. Uh, we would not let them in the fish pot because, lot you know, it's not cheap going out there. So less people go out there, which means the fish are going to be a little more easy to catch. At least that's the the argument that we was making when we wouldn't let them in the in the pool. Okay. Hey, how is other than foggy? What's the temperatures down there because it's raining to beat the band here it is today is supposed to be uh it's about 70 right now i'm actually sitting out on the screened in porch because they say the mosquitoes you know apparently traveled with us from chattanooga Uh um but it's about 70 now it's gonna be about 80 today but we got a a front coming in and it's supposed to be uh actually tomorrow the high is supposed to be 70 and we're expecting rain today but not till Hopefully, after we get back, we expect to be back uh, on shore somewhere between two and three. Okay, that sounds great. That sounds like a so you know good fishing weather. We're uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's going to be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, had some, like I said, had some great food last night. This is really it's really a cool place. Uh, it's a it's kind of like this big house, and it sleeps about forty. <laughs> And it's it's right on the water. I mean, you can all the all the guides are down there getting the boats ready to go, and uh, uh, it's just it's just pretty cool. We're kind of on like a, a little canal and uh, ready to go. But it's, activity started about about an hour ago, and with everybody starting to get ready and stuff, so the excitement's ready ready to go out there and jerk some big reds. Well, that sounds like an awesome. I'm 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 excited just listening to you talk about it. I would I, I I will admit. Fully admit, I am totally jealous that I can't go red fishing and eat black and red fish. But uh, I hope you have a really great trip, Tony. Tony, I'll... well, I... go, go ahead. ahead, Carter. Go ahead. No, let's go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, would you bring me back a a big old uh, fresh shrimp po' boy, please? That's <laughs> I, I, fresh when... shrimp po' boy. Fried shrimp po' boy, man. That's that's yep. the greatest thing in the world. And um... you know they they are they are good. Uh, and if I if I run across one. I will be sure and, and bring it back. I don't know that it'll survive the trip back to Chattanooga. Well, just take a picture I, of it. I can live vicariously okay. through your exploits. <laughs> you know, this this I'm looking forward to it. Um, it. As I got closer last night, I remember the last time I actually came down to Venice and went red fishing and speckled trout, and it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being, you know, back in that fish camp, dang, you guys are going to turn me into fishermen. This is fun stuff. <laughs> So, are you going? You think you're going to sling any bugs today? I don't know. Uh, I am going to have it in my boat. 
Okay. But you know, there's there's money on the line, so okay, it kind of changed my changed my attitude. Fair enough. And uh, and the uh, the the guy that owns the the charter service was talking to us last night, and uh, basically what he said: if you want big fish, which is where the money is, uh, you go plastics. If you want numbers, you go uh, you know bait, okay. live, or not live bait, but cut bait. Yeah, fresh bait. So. Uh, you know, I'm. There's enough money on the line that I'm interested. And um, <laughs> go for the gold, Tony. Go for the gold. So if if we if we get that if we get that 30 incher in the boat, then then I may turn around and uh, and, uh, and 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 switch for uh, trying to catch some stuff. But he we did specifically ask him about fly fishing yesterday, and uh, he said they only caught one all day yesterday on a fly on top. Okay, on top. They, they said, yeah. They just said the, the water was not, or the, the fishing was not conducive to okay. to throwing things. Well, that's when you go with a sinking tip. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a great trip. It sounds like you're having a big time already. Well, I am, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm watching somebody walk out of the screened in porch with a, a half a gallon of whiskey of some kind. So um, <laughs> I, I get ready, getting ready. So is it Tennessee whiskey? It, it's five. No, it is not. And it's, but it is five o'clock somewhere. True that, true that. Tony, have a great trip, man. Thank you, guys. And, y'all, thanks for doing the show, and I'll look forward to uh, the hijinks and telling everybody about it next week when I get back. All right. Sounds good. Have All a good right, See, See you, bud. Bye. That was the namesake, Tony Sanders, uh, down in Lafitte, Louisiana. Jean Lafitte, famous uh, French, I think he was a pirate. I believe Jean Lafitte was a pirate. Arg. I think. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We will be right back. Appreciate you listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Give us a call, 267-1023. We're looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community. Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, Remote broadcast for product endorsements. Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423 280 3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423-280-3677. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Beatty's has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. Make your neighbors really jealous. Call Beatty's. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping group, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer. 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. 
Having a good time this morning. Uh, I did look it up, and yes, Jean Lafitte was a French pirate and privateer, so I'm not giving out false information. I seen, I was trying to remember where I remember that from, but uh, he lived out on Galveston Island and helped settle Galveston, and I had that in Texas history class. So so he would say, arg. Yes. Wee, wee, wee? I believe that would be true, uh, although my French is absolutely horrid, what French I do know, which ain't much. Um Let's see. Uh, said water was uncon- Tony just called in. And said the water was unconducive to fly fishing down there. But uh, hope I hope it'll clear up. And maybe he can throw a few flies. But um, speaking of throwing flies, Chris, you're a big fly tire. See, si. yeah, very and, big. Yep, <clears throat> you're almost. As, I would say we are uh, mass producers of of bugs to stick in the water and let fish chew on. Um, but. That being said, we're going to talk a little fly time, but we are going to talk uh, something that I want to talk about. You had a Tenkara rod, and I was fascinated with it, and you were very kind enough to loan it to me and allow me to play with it, and I then went out and bought my own Tenkara rod, um, and you answered a lot of questions for me uh, about it. And I let me just go ahead and say, I've seen you fish that, and you are a surgeon with that particular implement. Um how did you get into ten car fishing, and why do you actually like it so much? <clears throat> it kind of takes you back to fishing before there was polycoated fly lines and graphite rods. You know, it's a it's a rod, a line, and a fly. It's very intimate with the water and the fish, and it's all close. You know, it's it's kind of it is to fishing what bow hunting is to deer hunting. You know, it it's right there with you. Uh, up close and personal. Yes. Your drifts you get when you're fishing moving water is incredible. It's actually better than your traditional western rod, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a really neat thing. It makes catching small fish fun. You can catch a bunch of fingerling bluegills, and and uh, it's just a hoot. It is. I really enjoy it. I, pre- I honestly appreciate you allowing me to use your rod uh, earlier this summer. And um, we've been on a couple of uh, fly fishing adventures. Um I will say I I'm, I like fishing with you in one way, but there's one reason I don't like fishing with you. You are a rather tall gentleman. Let's see, and you you go wading through pools, and it comes up your waist. I go wading through the same pools, and it's up to my neck. So I've noticed that when I when I I have to watch where you wade, and then don't go there. Yeah, yeah. We had a little uh, we had a little fun on us. Uh, what was it? Uh, North Chickamauga Creek. I, I almost went head over teacups down there. So. Yeah, when you had the blowouts on the shoes the first. Oh, that was hilarious. Day, yeah, day. I blew out my wading boots, uh, for those of you who heard that story. Not one, but both. Um, but the uh, Tinkara, I, I had a buddy of mine who um, his rod shattered because he was using a Tinkara rod, and a about an 18 to 20-inch smallmouth came up and, and nailed the fly, and the rod just exploded and splintered. And, That'll do it every time. Yeah, he was he was more upset about losing the fly I gave him, and I, I kind of told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm more worried about your rod. He goes, no, I'm just sad I lost that fly. But uh, the flies we use are a lot smaller, and it's a lot more delicate, and the presentation is, is different. And um, there's two types of lines you can use. Uh, yes. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, your two basic types of Tinkara lines are the furled, which is really popular amongst moving water trout guys who like to use the wet flies or the small streamers, or the level line, which is basically straight mono. And uh, it's really conducive for dry flies and really long drifts. Uh, 
it works out really good. And your buddy's rod exploding. If he had used a six X tippet, maybe he could have avoided some of that. But yeah, you want your tippet to blow before your rod does. That's that's normally the case, but you know, apparently he ties good knots, and I don't know what pound test he was using, but I'm sure it wasn't six X. But uh, he's probably dropped it down to something a little heavier. But us ten car guys catch a lot of lip. My buddy Josh calls it watering down my doctrine. But how, he, how so? Because it's not double hauling and long cast and big gaudy streamers. It's it's you know it's ten car. It's dainty. It's up close and it's finesse. Yeah, it is. It is the it's the definition of finesse. Um, mm-hmm. You use a lot of the soft tackles, right? Yes. <coughs> Some folks call them North Country spiders or wet flies. Uh, I like a white and black and silver. The creep I speak of that throws only big streamers, he throws semi-seal leeches for just about everything. I mean, mm-hmm. his fly box is just that. But for people who throw tin car, you have to go lightweight stuff. You can't throw a beadhead nymph. It, it would be just far too too weighty. It would load the rod up to an extent where it would make casting very sloppy. Mm-hmm. I, th- I agree with that. I've been using a lot of, I tie a lot of soft tackles, and I've been using a lot of soft tackles with the uh, Tenkara rod. And what I found, I always knew Brim loved uh, soft tackles, but uh, I also knew that um, I'd have to downsize on, on some of those flies for the Tenkara. And I've been tying a lot of 18s and uh, 16s size on six to 18, 16 size hooks, and been doing a lot of hackling of those flies. Sometimes a little bit big, you know, but... Yeah, the soft hackle can take most fishes we have around here. Uh, it, You know, it's a surface film bug, but if they're on top, you can put some bug float on there, and they'll float for you generally. But uh, the white and black and silver fly, the Wickham's Fancy, all the old school flies that are mm-hmm. ancient, they still work as good today as they did back then. Oh, yeah, like the Professor and the uh, Picket Pin and all yeah. the rest of those. Yeah. Um, Although I did, uh, using your rod, I took that really nice, that really absolutely gorgeous uh, long ear um, using a soft tackle, the one I sent you the picture of. It, yeah. was, it, was, it wasn't anything huge, but it, it definitely put a bend in that rod. And, uh, you know, we're not catching anything big, but the fish you are catching have the turquoise and the colors and the orange on the fins and the white edging. And, I mean, you won't see anything prettier outside of a Tiffany's case. I mean, they're just absolutely gems. They, they truly are, and I love catching those. Uh, Carter, you joined us on a few of our fly fishing warm water trips this year, and um, we kind of we've kind of nailed it on what flies we use. Um, you did well with us on uh, North Chick and uh, a couple other times at the pond. We've done we've done well. Um, I am not a fly tire, by the way. I have very large, meaty fingers, and mm-hmm. I'm not good at it. So um, I appreciate. All the flies that y'all give me. Yeah, he and, has a sign that says, we'll work for flies. Yeah, yes. pretty much. He stands on the corner. I've seen him down there, down on 28th, holding up a sign. And I do appreciate the uh, the efforts that y'all go to to tie these things. Um, and uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I just I like the uh, taking it and, and just slinging it out there and, and, you know, that you can catch a fish off of feathers and fur mm-hmm. and because uh, they think it's a an actual bug. Yep. Let me, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second, Chris. Not too terrible hard, but if you could have one warm water fly for around here, what's your, what is your go-to fly? I've got mine. What's yours? Uh, mine would be the brown woolly bugger. The brown woolly bugger. Weighted or unweighted? It would be weighted in the body, but not no cone head, just, just some wraps of some .15 lead. and Lead wire wrap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
That's your that's your number one go to. That's my go to if I had to pick one. All right. What if you could pick two? What would be your backup? Oh well. Uh, well, everything eats a booger. Yeah, true. Everything true. eats a booger. Even me when I was a child. Um, probably a, probably a, I, I guess a Ligon's Brim Killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I noticed you tied yours a little bit differently, and uh, we'll talk about how you tied yours when we get back. Uh, you did something really interesting that I'm going to go ahead and plagiarize on my next group of. Uh, Brim killers. You owe me a royalty fee. Oh, you you will definitely get it, and I will give you full credit. Uh, I'm I'm a good professor that way, so I will give you full credit as deserved. Uh, you're listening to Tony Sanders. We will be right back. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying, it exactly describes my friend Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent, he's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. If you need any outdoor supplies, there's only one place to go, Sportsman's Warehouse. They have all the equipment you need, as well as a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. If you want a firearm, then check out the thousands of guns they have on the shelf. If you don't see one you want, go to sportsmanswarehouse.com. Choose from over 6,700 models they have, and they will ship it directly to the store. Everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Sportsman's Warehouse, the great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. Green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods, so he knew every tree. Killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Welcome back to Tony Sanders Outdoors. Carter wanted to hear a little Fess Parker this morning. That's right. Uh, let me go ahead and t- let me go ahead and get the fly out of the way. You've been adding some crystal flash to uh, or. Uh, flashaboo to some of your flies your brim flies which i never even thought of doing i mean i've done it for woolly boogers and other things like that but it'd be really interesting i'm, I'm going to plagiarize that i am yeah it gives you a little bit of extra flash and i'll actually put some 0.30 lead wire which has nothing to do with the crystal splash but it talks about how deep they get mm. and whenever they get that deep i think that exit the flash really really helps yeah especially when it does get deep it reflects it the reason we were playing the ballad of davy crockett is you two gentlemen are going bear hunting we're on our way. Yes. Very shortly. And you're going to go take some a stick and a string and try and stick a bear. Yep. We're uh, going to try to let the air out of one. Um, a buddy of ours has uh, this, this property up in uh, the state of North Carolina and um, has lots and lots of bears. And when I say lots, on a, a 1,500 acres, uh, on four cameras, we've got seven different individuals one of them is uh probably pushing 500 pounds he's a tank mm-hmm. yeah he's as big as chris and me put together that's and, a big bear uh, <clears throat> and there's there's a mom and some cubs and uh then then some other individuals that uh, might possibly be on the hit list so we'll just have to wait and see and uh see what happens the season is open 
and uh, in North Carolina. Well, it's open here in Tennessee too, isn't it? It is. Georgia. I believe archery here in, in Tennessee, um, and also in um, Georgia. Correct. Because uh, gun season opens today in the great state of Georgia for bear or for bear for deer. They and Georgia opens. They open earlier than us, and they close later than us. Do they not? Uh, their closing date's about similar, but they do open earlier. Okay. Yeah, that, Maybe it's Alabama I'm thinking about. Alabama's later, much later, later on both. Also. And okay. um, yeah. Georgia, they, they have extended the season as of last year. Normally it closed on the 1st of January right. for deer season. And uh, last year I think they extended it another 10 days or something. And um, But, yeah, they, uh, they, they let you go in the woods with modern firearms starting this morning. At uh, approximately 30 minutes before sun up. So um, all of y'all heading to the woods in north Georgia, you're probably going to get soaking wet. I hope your firearms are well oiled. And um, don't forget to take a cushion to sit on so you're, <laughs> you know what, don't get wet. Yeah, I had that experience Monday and Tuesday when it rained on us. I, every The only part of me that was dry, I bought, I bought good boots. I'll say that. I bought good boots. Um that was the only part of me that was dry. Everything else, because we're riding back and it's raining and we're sitting on wet hay bales. So, you know, your pants are soaked, your shorts are soaked. You get wet itchy butt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got you got the, you're dealing with the uh, swamp butt that's going on in the whole area. But uh, Never so, a good thing. No. So you're, you're going to be heading up to North Carolina and you're going to try and get some of these black bear up there. Um, what, what, um, Tell me about the y'all. Obviously, aren't going to be running them with dogs. How are you? What? What you're going to be in a stand? You can be on the ground. What? How? Who? What? Where? Uh, there, we, we've got some stands. Um, the uh, you can legally bait uh, in North Carolina. Um, it is uh, they're very specific about what you can and cannot use. Okay. Uh, for instance, you can use peanuts, but you can't use peanut butter. Uh, you can use apples, but you can't use apple sauce. Uh, anything that is non-processed. Um, okay. So um, you you can't take a bunch of old little debbies up there and put them out. That is illegal. Okay. Um, or syrups or anything like that. Um, we put some peanuts out. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the bears in West North Carolina don't know what a peanut is. I can see that. They yeah, walk I right. Got the memo. There was an allergy scare a couple years ago, and they haven't taken back. To it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some. Some little bear cub took a peanut to school. Oh my gosh! And they had to shut it down and uh, flush the whole thing out. But um, so yeah, we're 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 going to try it and and see that the deer population up there is very minimal. It's there, there's hardly any deer in that part of the state of West North Carolina. Matter of fact, they do not even have a uh, a doe season for during archery season or or at any time. You cannot take a doe. Is it um, is it because of the terrain or is it because it, it's it, I, it, it is awful. I've been up there. It's awful, awful mountainous. It's mountainous. You know the carrying capacity of that uh, that terrain, that uh, environment, just is non conducive. There, there's really not much agriculture. No, at all. Um, the uh, the soils are thinner. The uh, the mass crop is is less. I believe at these higher altitudes. What we mainly see up in the alt- in the higher altitude like that is. Um, your, your softer hardwoods, poplar, maple, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, there's some hickories. Uh, you, you don't see the big stands of white oak. 
yeah. um, like you see, you, you know, in our area, like you do here, certainly. And so the carrying capacity for uh, for deer just is not there. And um, they uh, uh, we did a lot of work for uh, this friend of mine to produce food plots and uh, areas for the deer. And apparently, all the bear that have run off the three deer that were on his property. <laughs> and uh, so uh, somebody is going to have to pay the price. Yeah. So if you if you manage to get one of them bears, it'll be a good thing. Now. I've had bear meat. I've had, and here's the thing. I've had bear meat. The first time I had it, it was, I would say, the, the word I would use would be rancid, manky, and absolutely horrid. Manky. Did you turn up your nose? It it tasted terrible. Second time I had bear meat, it was in a crock pot slow cooker. I, I, I was ready to eat more of that. It was great. So you can mess it up real easy. But bear can go either way. Um, but bear meat is actually... Really high, you know. Obviously, like any wild game, is really high in protein, but it's all in how you do it. I think. Oh yeah. I think the first one I had it was at a, it was at a wild game dinner, and you're cooking for six, seven hundred people, and you do it as quick as you can to get it out there. It was not good, and I, I literally could not eat it. It was just rancid. The second time I had it, it was so good, so tender, and just amazing. It was, it was so good. Um, but let me ask you this. Obviously, you're going to keep the meat and eat it. Yes. And if you happen to get one, obviously the same, you're going to keep the meat and eat it. You are correct. What about the bear hair? <clears throat> you going to pull any or uh, for flies? I might use a smidge for flies, but if it's a big bear, if I'm fortunate enough to get one, I may consider a mount. If it's a small to medium, I'll probably just tan the hide myself. Me being a hillbilly, that's kind of what I do. Okay. Well, fair enough. Um I need some. So if you get one, I need uh, three by five index card size with the uh, skin still on it of bear. Could you what use? you gonna tie? What what part of the hide do you want? Uh, probably like off the back or the belly, either one. Okay, just, just the longer hairs if you can find. I mean, you know, longer than uh, an inch or longer is what I need. Okay, so uh, you're we'll, on. A, you're we'll now see on a what quest. If, if I'm not able to kill one, what if I just like give one a haircut? Yeah, yeah give one. Stop, stop, and ask him if I can get a, you know cut some hair and get my razor out and and trim some hair for you. And don't think that'll work. Um, I think you know, don't know that he would bear with you during that. So yeah, well, it's you know, it, it's it's a a sport that that requires some interaction. And uh, you know, the one thing about bow hunting, you know, you know, for deer, if you shoot a deer with a bow with an arrow and you make a, a marginal shot you're not you're still not really worried about the the deer climbing the tree and biting you yeah um yeah this is something so, that could do damage to you once it's upset with an arrow through it yeah it could it could definitely do a little bit of yeah so a little bit of harm anyway we'll be well prepared with um with good flashlights that are charged and backup flashlights with new batteries mm-hmm. and um that's a definite definite thing check your equipment before you go out <laughs> That is true. Gonna and do it. It's uh, it's it's gonna be an adventure. We'll see what happens. Uh, how many deer have you taken this year? I've taken none. Deers. Okay. Chris, how many have you taken this year? Four. Four. All with bow, correct? Correct. You you archery hunting? That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, you will on occasion use a yes. I'll modern rifle. occasionally pick up the rifle I inherited, but I really enjoy bow hunting. I find it a a, a great deal of fun. It gives you a great excuse not to kill deer. You can always say that it was too far. Or, behind a tree or whatever else you want to throw in there. 
But it also makes it a lot more challenging, and I think there's a connection that's established when things are a little bit more challenging. I mean, if, you know, granted, making a 300-yard a shot is in itself challenging, but getting a deer to get up close and personal to where you can make that 40-yard shot. Absolutely. Uh, if I had an empty freezer or my family needed meat, for, per se, I would definitely pick up a gun or whatever I had to do to get the deer, but I would much rather kill, this may sound silly, one deer with a bow than two or three deer with a rifle, you know, I'd just much rather have that. It's a whole lot more gratifying to me to uh, to get one with a bow. I can see that. And I've noticed that about you. You tend car fish, you, fly, you, you, you find the hardest way to do something, and then you get really, really good at it. Well, I don't know about good, but kind of lucky sometimes. But Hey, luck, I'll take <laughs> I'd rather be lucky, lucky than, than good, good yeah. any day of the week. I reckon so. Yeah, so that's definitely it. Um, JT, are we up for a break here? Uh, got one minute left? Okay. Um, real quick on, you, you said you're taking four, correct? Yes. All right. Um, you're going to try, have you ever taken a bear with a bow? I have not. I have not. This will be a, my my first bear, if it happens. Okay. I'm ready. I want to cause one some immediate vascular decompression. That'll work. That That's very well said, too, and highly accurate. See, again, we're back into the educational portion of the show. I am college educated. I, I know. I'm well aware of that. We, we've, we've had a few. Uh, see, this is why I like hanging around with an English major and another college grad. When we're out on this river, we have these eclectic conversations. I mean, you got enough college graduates on the river, and one claims to be a redneck but is college educated, and you got another one who claims to be a redneck and has a degree in English and anthropology. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, uh, and you got one engineer, so let's throw him in the mix, and you got the trifecta of weirdness out on the water. <laughs> Absolutely, we could have cured cancer, but we decided to fly fish anyways. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's where we're at. I'm pretty sure that's where we're at this morning. <laughs> let's go ahead and take that break a little bit early, and uh, I, we will be right back with more Tony Sanders outdoors. soon be here and you know what that means grilling and barbecues you can get everything you need at don's meat shop 648 hicks and pike don has steaks such as t-bone porterhouse ribeyes and many many more you can pick up kebabs chicken burgers pork chops roasts or fish and try out their seafood be sure to try their summer sausage snack sticks don has quality meats and great cooking advice so give them a call at 423-842-1256 don's is open six days a week closed tuesdays check them out at donsmeatshop.com and be sure to like them on facebook Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Jam into the latest and greatest hits of the 70s. Disco, baby, all day long on Tony Sanders Outdoors. You know why? Because Tony ain't here, and he left me the keys to the radio station. <laughs> so I got to I got to choose a playlist. 
if you disco to, still sucks, Rob. You know, disco just, still sucks. Disco lives. Disco lives. Uh, got a lot going on. Uh, again, the fly fishing film tour is going to be coming to uh, the camp house on Friday, November 2nd. Address is 149 East Martin Luther King. VIP tickets are available at $50. General admission is 20. You can buy your tickets at flyfishingfilmtour.com, flyfishingfilmtour.com, or at the door, day of the show, or at Lookout Fly Anglers when they open up. But uh, bring your wallet, bring some cash, bring a card, check, because there's going to be a lot of great raffle items, silent auction items, and all the money goes to help the Appalachian chapter of Trout Unlimited do their work with the restoration of eastern brook trout and working with veterans taking them out fishing as well so that will be great so that's coming up on november 2nd uh if you want more information uh check out the facebook page of the appalachian chapter of trout unlimited and uh i'm looking forward to going to that one uh there will be an uh you happen to know the mc i will be mc uh commissioner sanders will be speaking and hopefully everybody will have a great time at the Fly Fishing Film Tour. Come out and join us. It's always a great evening. And I'll tell you, those films are absolutely wonderful. So you you said you wanted to come. I'm coming. You're coming. Have you, I'll have, be there. Have, you've been to it before. Yes, I have, and it's ha- great. Have you? I have not, but I've watched a lot of those little short films and the, I don't know how to say this, cinematography, filmography, whatever, is really great on those. I mean, those guys suffer for that stuff. Oh yeah, they do. Like Guiding goes gangster. That was pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's, and they have different categories. There's a. They've done a few documentary ones about the histories uh, of areas. Uh, they've have ones uh, prizes for location. The number one location film. Uh, the number one warm water film. Comedy. Uh, a lot of the guys get together and do comedy stuff, and 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 they are a lot of funny. They they the the shows are really are really good. So of all the far fun places they fish. If you could catch one species anywhere in the world, one species in the world of all. The, if I could actually go to one of these places, yeah, any of the far flung places there are, I would. I would honestly, I'd <clears> say, <throat> I'd have to go with catching tamian in Mongolia. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, catching cool. a river wolf would be just be uh, to me amazing. Um, the other one, there was a whole bunch of guys, like I said, went up to Canada and were catching those huge musky. The really big musky. You have to I, say A every time they catch one. Yeah, pretty much. But um, I'll tell you, I can go catch musky in the North America. You're not going to get a tamian anywhere else. So if, if it was limited to that, I'm going to say tamian in uh, Mongolia. What so. about you, Buana? I think I want to go to Kamchatka and catch trout the size of your leg. Um, that would be that would be my thing. Flying on an old nasty Russian helicopter from the Colt. Leftover from the Cold War, oh yeah, it's chugging and you know spewing jet fuel out the side, and uh, and then go catch enormous trout that don't know what humans or flies or anything else is. Yeah, you're not taking your car rod for those. No, definitely not. <laughs> How about you? Where would you want to go? Oh, uh, I don't know if I'm saying the species correct, but a golden dorado. Mm-hmm. It's a toothy golden fish from yeah. down in South America somewhere. Yeah, they're yeah. they're pretty badly looking. Yeah, the dorado are. Uh, I don't know what they, I don't know, I think they're a salmonoid, but I'm not really sure, but they've got some, every picture I've seen, those teeth, those interlocking teeth have a fly hooked into them. Are those I, in Argentina? Yes, they are in Argentina and uh, 
I think they're in Brazil as well. I think somewhere down there. I mean, it's wherever we're going, it's going to be a place we need shots. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to get shots, passport. Uh, you know, and that's stuff you don't think about when these guys do these films. Is you know they've had to have you know round of shots for you know diseases that only exist in these countries. Uh, passports, equipment, transportation of the equipment, catch the fish, and document catching the fish. So be sure and join us on uh, on the second. So. Well, gentlemen, y'all are going to go stick some bears, and I wish you great luck with that. And I really appreciate, uh, Carter, you coming in and uh, sitting in for me as I stepped into Tony's shoes this morning. And, uh, Chris, I really appreciate y'all coming in. It's been a great show. I've enjoyed it. A lot of fun. And to all of our friends who may be listening out there in Radio Land and who didn't call in, well, Nana, Nana Boo Boo, stick your heads in doo-doo. Thank you. There you go. The wise words from uh, Carter Perham there this morning. Uh so y- are y'all y'all are heading directly over to North Carolina right now? Correct. Okay. Cool. Um, how lo- I forgot how long of a drive is it? A couple there? hours from here. Yeah, about ninety miles. About ninety miles. Okay. I'm gonna sleep the entire way, so it won't bother me at all. <laughs> That's the way you do it, right there. Catch some Z's as you're going along. Hey, uh, don't forget also hit the brakes. Oops, squirrel. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Oh yes. <laughs> Uh, don't forget, coming up, opening up on November 3rd is the muzzleloader season in the state of Tennessee. It is open today in Georgia. It is uh, Today is opening day for center fire rifle season. Okay. You can yeah. use modern firearms, so please go out there but ensure that your firearm is well protected against the elements because it's raining badly. And be sure and wear your hunter orange and be safe. Also, please stay with us. Uh, we got another great show coming up. Outside with Cindy is coming up next, so you can enjoy, continue your outdoor experience. So be sure and listen to Cindy. She's got some, uh, she has a guest already here. It's always a great show. Listen and if you're to following her. on Facebook, the overall uh, beauty factor will go up exponentially once we leave the room and these ladies enter. Most so. definitely. Most definitely. Well, gentlemen, anything else you got? I think it's a wrap. I think it's a wrap. We can wrap this one up. We appreciate you listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. We're here every Saturday morning from 5 to 7 a.m. Grab a cup of coffee. Stay tuned for Outside with Cindy. You've been listening to Tony Sanders Outdoors. You have been listening to a podcast of the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors show. Please subscribe to our service to get updated shows weekly throughout the year. Like us on all the social medias to keep up with what's going on on Tony Sanders Outdoors.